Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how to commission it, when to use it, and really, what is it all about? Join Gregor Findlay and Sarah Turner, two executive coaches, for an honest conversation. In today's episode, we ask the question, what is the leadership pipeline and how might it be useful? I am Sarah Turner. I'm a maternity coach and an executive coach with a strong background in HR. And I'm Gregor Finlay. I'm an executive coach of some 19 years. So today's coaching question is looking at the leadership pipeline and exploring why it might be useful. I'm going to come at this from an HR perspective, given my background in HR. And I'm going to come at it from the perspective of an external executive coach, which is pretty lucky since that's what I do. The Leadership Pipeline comes from a book, and we'll put the details into the show notes. It's by Charan, Drotter and Noel, and it's really about how we can grow leaders from inside the business. So I guess, Gregor, could you just start by giving us a a quick high-level overview of what the model is and how it works? I think the key thing about the model for me is it really details all the major transitions that people make in terms of management through their career. Mm-hmm. So everybody, you, know, you go from being a sole contributor to a line manager, to a manager of managers, to a business leader, etc. So you basically, you go through these transitions and it gives a really nice description of the, what those transitions entail. And since a lot of executive coaching is about transitions, mm-hmm. people getting people ready, or once they've got taken on a bigger challenge, then they might be struggling. That's where a lot of coaching comes in. So it's a really nice model where HR and coaches can really talk easily about the situation if they both understand the model. Yeah, it gives you a shared language, doesn't it? I don't know how many individuals would necessarily pick this book up and read it, but just looking at the model for yourself as well, from a a personal development perspective, could be useful, I think. Yes, certainly. Or it's not just, I don't believe it's just an HR or a coaching book. I think if you're any sort of leader that needs to look at your talent pipeline, Mm. if you're senior in an organization, you're thinking, wait a minute, what's going on with my talent pipeline? One of the key things about the book is it allows you to identify where the blockages are. Why is it that people are not progressing through certain stages? Mm. And so you can then task HR with unblocking that pipeline for you. Yes, exactly, because it helps you identify where somebody might have skipped a level. So in the different levels in the pipeline, where you might have skipped a level and therefore how that might be hurting their performance as well. Which is really common. Yeah, absolutely. So from an HR perspective then, if I'm thinking about talent management and succession planning, obviously there's a number of models out there such as Lominger and other talent models. So why and where would I use the leadership pipeline? I think you could actually use it anywhere. But for example, let's start at the the bottom level. Let's share a story about that. So I've got somebody, then they're a single contributor. And so I'm remembering a guy who, he was in charge of this piece of technology with software. And he was basically, he was the best guy in the company this particular thing and he got enough a lot of recognition out and and reward out of being the guy to go to for that technology but because he was so good he got recognized and he got promoted to line manager Mm -hmm. now that was a real challenge for him 
because he'd never coached people before. He'd never had to measure other people's progress before. He'd never thought about motivating. He hadn't de really delegated. He hadn't done the allocation of time. There's loads and loads of things he hadn't done before. So there's a technical aspect to it. But one of the key things, these uh, transitions, is always a shift in values and yeah. what's important to people. And basically, what was still important to him, why he was struggling, what was still important to him was to get all the recognition and reward for being the best, mm. technically. Mm. And he had to give that up. And actually, when you move up from managing yourself to managing others, one of the things I think is quite interesting about this model is it talks about at that step that you need to actually let go of individual tasks and focus on managing others. And that's a huge ask for individuals when they're used to trading on that thing, that one thing or two or three things that makes them successful. It's a huge ask, particularly in the technical sphere, mm. because that's what it's about. And they're you're asking people to give up their current source of recognition and reward. Mm. So not financial rewards. Clearly, they're probably going to get more money, but the emotional reward mm. that they're getting. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic example. And you've mentioned there the shift in or the change in values at each level. It also talks about the shift in skills and time application as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think you know, training, that's one thing that training can do. It will help with one of those things. Certainly at the lower levels of an organization, you're often slipping out of coaching into coach mentoring because mm -hmm. you are actually having to impart some skills. Mm -hmm. But the time allocation is really uh, important because when you're a sole contributor, you allocate all your time to doing what that is. Mm -hmm. You don't have to split your time. And that's a difficulty with modern organizations is you often have the player manager. You know, you're managing... And you're also contributing at a singular level. So mm. your time allocation is a completely new challenge to you. I mean, this model, like all models, it's not going to necessarily always work in its purest form. So it's quite possible in a small organization, you might skip one, possibly even two levels. I don't think you skip levels, but levels become combined. Okay. So quite often with flatter organizations, so they basically you go from managing self to leading others, managing others. Then you go to leading managers. Mm. And the level above that is to going to a functional manager. Mm. Now, quite often, the manager and manager stage and the functional manager stage, it's exactly the same transition. Mm. You become head of a function and you become a, ma a manager of managers. So you've got to deal with two sets of transitional things at the same time. And that's quite mm -hmm. common nowadays in organizations. Let us look at. Probably the biggest blockage in the pipeline okay. is delegation. Mm. You would not believe the amount of very senior people that I'm coaching, they still haven't nailed delegation. Now, this is a skill that you're supposed to develop a line manager and really nail a manager of managers mm -hmm. because that's a core skill you've really got to have. But what happens is they go to functional manager and then they go, to a business manager and they still haven't nailed it. And one of the reasons a coach is brought in is they are in overwhelm. They're really struggling. And the key thing is they have missed out this step in their transition. So you will get it manager and managers a lot and at functional manager a lot. And even up from there, you will get this core thing about they, they miss out on delegation. And that sounds like that speaks to the, the shift in the skills and time application in particular. Yes. 
if I tell a couple of stories maybe to illustrate. Mm. So I've got a guy and he is, he's called finance director. He's a manager of managers and a functional manager. He's been considered for succession to chief financial officer. One of the, the things that's been highlighted is he doesn't have very good employee engagement scores. So that's one of the reasons for bringing in a coach was to deal with that. Now, it turns out that he had a problem with skills, time allocation, and values, all three at the same time, because his identity was one of, he was an expert. Mm-hmm. What he, was, he loved getting into the numbers, he loved the problem solving, and he had an identity of being a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And that's where his value set was, that's yep. what was most important. And what that meant for his basically his manager of managers, et cetera, is he didn't delegate enough. He didn't trust them enough. So he needed to learn the skills. He needed a bit more skills development when it came to delegation. Mm. And that was a a simple thing to sort. Mm. The bigger thing for him was his value shift. And the easiest thing for us to do is we worked on his identity. And so by working on his identity and shifting from, in this instance, we went from problem solver to conductor. So if you're a conductor of an organization, you're not playing the violin, you're not playing the oboe, you are conducting those players. Mm. And you are also, it's not Ravel's Bolero, it's your version of Ravel's Bolero. So there's a real ownership thing there if you're a conductor. And that's the other thing that the exec team wanted to see from this individual was he wanted to see him challenging more. And that was part of his role as CFO was to challenge the exec team more. And that's what a conductor does. He will challenge the lead violinist to do better. So it really fitted and what I really like about what you're talking about there is is it feels to me as if the leadership pipeline can almost be a lens that we can apply when we're thinking about our talent. Because so often we'll think about feedback, we'll get 360 feedback, we'll look at performance. You know, there'll be a number of different measures that we'll look at when we're thinking about who we can promote and who's ready, you know, particularly for looking at, say, a nine box grid or something. But actually, you know, these three elements, the intricacies of the shift in skills, time application and work values, I think could be a really useful lens for HR to apply when they're thinking about making these decisions. Essentially, yes. And it's also a good common language. Mm. So I've come across HR people that haven't known the model and I've been able to introduce the model to them. And then we do have this common language set. Mm. Because they have promoted somebody, they thought they were ready, Mm. they've become severely challenged, Mm. and they've brought a coach in at that point. And depending on what's going on, a lot of the time they've got the technical skills. It really does come down to a value shift, and that's not something you're going to generally do on a training course. No, and actually, I was just thinking that. So work values is not something you do on a training course, and it's possibly not something that you would necessarily do with HR or with your line manager. And now, looking at the shift in skills and time application, potentially you could. So let's just dig a little bit deeper into how a coach can make a difference here. So maybe could you maybe expand a little bit more on when you were talking about working through those identities? So I really liked what you were talking about there from going from being the violinist to being the conductor. So how did you or how did your client make that transition? Well, actually, for that one, it really what we worked around um, his habits, we worked around different reminders, 
for him. So I really like to build on habits. So he always took a particular folder with him. Mm-hmm. And and basically, he would write conductor at the top of every page <laughs> before he started the meeting. I love that. So he would reset. So basically, we built in a habit that reminded him of his shift. Yeah. And then he was working to the values of a conductor, not the values of a problem solver. You know, and he would smack his own wrist if he found himself solving problems. Yeah. But again, one of the things I found really interesting was when you do executive 360, so that's via an interview process rather than doing an online version, is you'll talk to people's uh, managers or senior stakeholders, and they often say things like, they just don't have it yet. They expect you to know what they mean, and you have to get down to quite specific behaviours. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be a real challenge for them because they've never had to articulate it before. And that's one of the things that you can really drag out and work on with a coachee is what needs to be important what needs to be much more important than their current modus operandi yeah and i think one of the things that is useful when you have an external coach is you can not only challenge people and you know there's a simple form of challenge you said you were going to do this you didn't do it let's talk about the gap it's far more being able to challenge the perspectives that they take Mm, yeah for example you might have what is the purpose of your role? What are you here to do? And you quite often get, I'm here to deliver. I'm here to solve problems. I he- I'm here to get things done. I'm trusted to get things done. And I might pause and say, that's quite interesting. I don't think that was what your role was. I thought your role was to develop the team such that they got things done. Yeah. And it's about inc- really increasing that self-awareness and that challenge around the perspective that they're taking, as you said there. Yeah. So it's a challenge about perspectives mm. rather than a challenge about effort, if mm. that makes sense. And I, and I do think that's really where coaching can be of huge value because so often in organizations, we're very caught up in the day to day and what needs to get done and what needs to be delivered and what the feedback is. None of, I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But I think where a coach can really add value, particularly through these different transitions, is providing that mirror reflecting back what you're seeing, what you're hearing and challenging and enabling the client, therefore, to to do their own learning and do their own discovery as a result of the coaching? Yes, definitely. I think there's another thing here is that in some organizations, just because of the reality of the situation, the manager doesn't actually have the time or the resources to do the coaching, to do the development. So I'm thinking of a particular example. This is a pharmaceutical firm. The European VP, he basically is incredibly time short. He trusts his country managers to do what they need to do, but therefore doesn't give any of his country managers development time. So somebody's moving up from functional head to being a business manager, running a whole country. That's a massive shift. Mm -hmm. It's one of the biggest shifts that you have to do because you have expertise in sales, for example. You know everything to do with sales and you're used to interfacing with marketing a lot, maybe finance a bit, but you haven't done much interfacing maybe with compliance, for example. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're responsible for all of those areas that you have no skills in. So it's unfamiliar responsibilities. It's completely unfamiliar responsibilities. You have to manage in a different way. So this guy comes into me and he says, I feel like a fraud. I feel like a fraud. I haven't done any real work in two or three weeks. 
And I'm, I'm okay. What do you mean by real work? Well, I haven't been on Excel, I haven't created an Excel spreadsheet for three <laughs> weeks. I'm laughing because they need to know that it's okay to let go of certain stuff. Yes. And actually, I think that's a really important point because I've experienced that in some of the coaching work that I've done, where it's a bit like your story of the violinist to the conductor. There's something about giving yourself permission to let go of the old way of doing things and embrace the new way of doing things. Key question in any transition, what is it that you need to let go of? And people are focused on skills acquisition rather than letting go. And that's what a coach will do. They'll really work around the letting go Mm. rather than the skills acquisition. Because if I use that old uh, Timothy Galway uh, equation, performance equals potential minus interference. Actually, the the focus on skills acquisition is interference. It's actually not the relevant thing Mm. because it's not dealing with the shift in values and it's probably not dealing with the time structuring because that depends on your values. Mm. You, you time structure according to what's important. Yeah. So if you don't really figure out what's important, what the, the priorities, you're not going to get the other stuff. So I love the model. It gives you, I'd recommend the book to anybody because it, it really articulates some of those things. Like if you're going from manager and managers to functional manager, and sometimes that's business manager, it, it says in the book delegation, even more important. It's not m- more important, it's critical yeah and time management you get a lot of senior people come in and they're in overwhelm and they've got i need time management again that's the thing to do with skills Mm -hmm. and it's not about time management it's always about prioritization yeah and that's got to gain comes back to values and if you want to work on values if you go beyond that to identity each identity has a different set of values so that's the sort of place you're working and I'm just thinking there, for, for the listeners who may not be familiar with the term values or even identity, I actually had a, a coaching client ask me this just yesterday when I was talking about identity. Now, what did I really mean by that? So could you just expand a little bit on what you mean when you're talking about values and identity? Well, in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, they, they, they say it's synonymous. Criteria and values, are, it's, it's a synonym. And actually, the criteria upon which you make a decision, that's the same, the value. So if I think getting a problem solved is the most important thing. Then that's why I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to prioritize. If I think someone's development is the more important thing, I'm going to coach them in order that they can solve the problem, not me. And that's why a lot of coaching skills for managers courses fail because they focus on the skill. People go back into the workplace with the same values. They prioritize solving the problem over developing the person. Yeah. So values is basically what's most important here. Yeah, what's most important to me is what I think about. Yeah. Yeah, what's most important for for success in the role. Mm. Because we're talking about your work identity here. Mm. That chap I was talking about didn't go home and think of himself as a conductor, per se. (laughs) We're talking about his general work identity. And I think it's quite important also here to just point out that, again, lots of people, if they haven't had coaching, won't necessarily be familiar with that concept that there's different sides to me. They might subconsciously know that, but actually one of the values I think that coaching can bring is to bring that up into light, shine the light on those different identities and understand what they mean and the strengths that they bring and equally where there may need to be some changes in order to perform. Yeah, who are you being here? Um, how, How do you want to be known? Or how do you see yourself? How do others see you and how would you like to be seen? 
Yes, absolutely. Mm. And, and they're essentially all about your identity in that role. And you very quickly pick up in, in certain organizations, it's all about being getting it done and that they don't have a culture of developing people. Mm-hmm. So therefore, th- there will be quite a few skills gaps. If you then go to a company like somebody like GE, they've got a really very organized way of developing people. So you don't find very many skills gaps per se, Mm. but you've still got the value shift stuff that you need to do. So you're staying more in pure coaching and you're not doing as much coach mentoring. So Sarah, from an HR perspective, we talked quite a bit about from a coaching perspective, from an HR perspective, where do you think this model really helps? So I think that the value of the leadership pipeline is in addition to any existing talent management or succession planning models HR might be using, is just simply to apply that lens that this model offers around the shift in skills, time application and work values at each level. I think also the clarity that it provides so that it enables you to see where there may be gaps or where individuals might have skipped a passage and therefore might explain why their performance isn't quite what was expected. And the obvious one for me is just it can help HR create their own stars up and down the line so you don't have to recruit from outside. So I I think that's a really, just if you think about a financial reward and not having to work outside for people, being able to develop the people that already know the culture, already know what's going on, but can actually move up rather than having to go out, pay for recruitment, take a risk on someone. That's a massive advantage. I think it's if you're using the nine box grid, you use this, well, whatever you're doing for succession planning, if you use this lens alongside it, it, I just think it really works incredibly well. What I would just add to that is just thinking about the work I've done when I've done talent planning and using the nine box grid is often what you would do is you would think about individuals and where you're going to put them in each of the boxes. And then there would be some actions that come out of that in terms of development. You know, if I'm going to move Gregor from this box to that box, where is he doing really well? What might his development areas be? And quite often that might be a training course or a leadership program. But I think also we should encourage HR to ask the question, would a coach be useful? Because I think often, you know, it's it's easy when you do something like a leadership development program, there may be coaching involved in that, but actually having some one-to-one support for that individual as they transition into that new role, that sort of first 90 days piece, I think this model really highlights the importance of doing that, particularly thinking about the shift you described there from the violinist to the conductor. I just think that's a really powerful metaphor. Thinking about top tips, certainly from a coach's perspective, is just get to know the model and what's important in each transition. And as you're taking on an assignment, define the transition for yourself. Is this is this a shift from manager managers to, to functional manager or have the organization concatenated roles? So it gives an extra level of awareness. So I think that's quite a good tip. Yeah. And if I can just add in my tip then would be a question to ask, an HR person could ask, as somebody is making a transition from one role to the next, particularly in terms of the pipeline, is what do you need to let go of as you move into this new role? And and maybe there's a question, I don't know, Greg, what you think about this. Who are you being? What are you doing? And who are you being in this new role? What does that change look like? I think definitely the let go question is really good. And some people might look at you askance because they don't really understand the question, which is a good (laughs) indicator. But I think you start talking about role and role clarity. Yeah. is often something that people don't have enough of. So there'll be real clarity, 
you know, expectations when people move into role. But I think that's something like an HRBP can do like four weeks in is go, let's go back and look at roles. Mm. Let's test about that or internal coach or something internal coach could do really well. Yeah. I think we're probably uh, up on time. Yeah. Um, there's loads of bits of this model we could talk about. But one of the reasons we wanted to do this early on in our series is that people would have the language yes. to work with it. So now we can talk about these different transitions and uh, when we talk about different areas of coaching. It's been a great conversation for me. Hopefully it's been for you. Yes, it's been great. Thank you very much. And hopefully it's been really valuable for everybody that's listening. Please give us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us uh, spread the word. And we shall see you next time. See you next time.